0: Predictable Podcasts. Predictable podcasts. There's a million of them out there. Babbling about the same old boring stuff. But trust me, my friend, this is not one of them. This is Diary of a Bald Man. He's bald and he's completely off his damn rocker and i love that about him safety dinosaurs relationships the many uses of a can of raid in the bedroom <laughs> hold on did i uh, read that right what the what the f*** happened there all right <clears throat> let's do this welcome to diary of a bald man yeah. now your host the cue ball himself alan wooferd <laughs>
1: Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today. This is Alan Wolford on Diary of a Ball Band. And today I have the distinct pleasure and honor to have Logan Cesaros coming to us. Logan, how are you?
2: I'm doing well this morning. How are you doing?
1: Not bad. I'm doing better now that I'm getting a chance to talk to you. You know, I've been following you on LinkedIn and on Facebook and getting to see a lot of what you do. But, you know, Logan, for everybody that's just joining in, if you don't mind, tell us, you know, your name. Uh, what you do and where you're currently calling in from.
2: So my name is Logan Tesaurus. I am an environmental health and safety coordinator in Tulsa, Oklahoma.
1: Tulsa, Oklahoma. So let me ask you, if we were to come out and visit you out there, what would be one go-to place that we'd have to go to try food? What would be like a great restaurant or somewhere that you enjoy going to?
2: It would have to be Oklahoma Joe's. I Oklahoma Joe's love Oklahoma Joe's. It's barbecue food. Every time I have family in from New York, they are like, "We have to go to Oklahoma Joe's."
1: And th- you see, that's funny you say that. I have what's called an Oklahoma Joe's grill that my wife got me. I wonder if it's based off that. I don't know huh i'll have to look it up so you really like barbecue do you like to do any type of grilling or smoking yourself or is that just something you've not gotten into yet
2: it's not something that i have gotten into yet
1: okay where's the best place to go skinny dipping in the area if somebody was to come out there and just had to have that you know type of activity
2: i honestly don't know i'm not the skinny type skinny dipping type of dude
1: Okay. Uh, You know, and neither am I, but I'm going to try it once I come out there just because, you know, there's got to be one good place for people just to let it hang out, relax, be one with nature and, you know, go from there. Yes. (laughs) So Logan, you know, on a serious note, are you from the Oklahoma, uh, state of Oklahoma? Are you transient? You know, did you go there because of work or were you born and raised?
2: I was born and raised here in Oklahoma. I was born in Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. And then once I was one or two, we my parents moved us up to Broken Arrow, ne- right outside of Tulsa, and I called Tulsa home before for like 23 years of my life. Right. And then once I got married, I moved out of Broken Arrow and moved to Pryor, Oklahoma, about 40 minutes east of Tulsa.
1: Now is that, you know, when we're talking about geography and everything, is that like a uh, pretty much farmland? Is it flat? Is it mountainous? What type of terrain do you have out there?
2: So where I am, where I live right now, we, it's pretty much farmland. So okay. I, I go out my front door and I see cows, horses. Yeah. We live on a farm. We rent right. from a farm. We, we rent our pr- house, but we live on a farm.
1: Okay. I like the sound of that. So, you know, with you talking about being in safety, what was the main reason you went into safety, you know, versus like professional bull riding, being in Oklahoma, you know, farming or something a little bit more exciting. What drew you into the environmental health and safety side?
2: So that's a really funny story. Um, Getting into the EHS field was never one of my like Oh, this is what I what I want to do for the rest of my life.
1: Hey, I I can agree with you on that that was not a plan of mine.
2: <laughs> it was honestly, so I finished up my junior college at Tulsa Community College. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I at my job at the time, I ended up talking to a lot of environmental health and safety professionals. I really just liked the way that they thought about safety, th- like, figured out that EHS is a people-driven career.
1: And oh, I good, absolutely good view. Loved, I like that.
2: I absolutely loved that thought, the thought of just building relationships. I'm a huge servant leader, so anything that I can do to help people succeed, I absolutely will do.
1: Yeah. And I've seen, you know, some of the emphasis on that on LinkedIn, where you try to support people or, you know, uh, get information out that's going to benefit somebody because that's not something personally that I see a lot of EHS personnel do, you know, not not that they don't want to help others or help them grow or help them develop, but it's just kind of like they, they're hesitant to say, hey, you get this, you know, go for this. And then that person doesn't get into that field or something. And, yeah, you know, they, they just don't want to feel like they let them down somehow. And I, I feel that that hinders progress with us.
2: And then, honestly, one thing as EHS professional, professionals, we have to be willing to admit that we don't know everything.
1: No, I know everything. I just, I won't <laughs> admit I don't know everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. When it comes to issues in the field, I really feel like... If people people do look up to us to know the answers, even though we may not have it right there, it's okay to say pause, say, "Hey, let me go look this up and I'll get back with you." Instead of providing them with an off-the-wall answer, not based on OSHA or what they're actually looking for, it's okay as an EHS professional to pause. And go do your research and then get them a correct answer.
1: I like that. I like that you put in there about, you know, taking that pause and then researching for the correct answer because, you know, so many people today, and I'm not blaming it on social media, but a lot of them want instant answers. They they need that, yes. not just gratification, but information. And we don't want to just throw it out there and it being correct. So I like your stance on that. Um you know, is that something that you personally uh, feel is really important is just not to throw things out, but to make sure you're giving them the best or, you know, what what brought that around?
2: I personally feel like, especially if you're in charge of, in charge of environmental health and safety at a site, at a company, it's really important to give people the correct information, especially since your title is safety. You want them to go home in the same way that they came. You don't want them to go home with a cut or scrape because then it just those little things will eventually lead to a bigger issue.
1: Well, I agree. Now, I, I disagree in one regard because there are some engineers and project managers I wouldn't mind seeing go home with a few bruises. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just because of the way I see uh, how they treat or work with others. And, you know, when you look into it with you just getting into EHS the way you did and uh, having the conversations that led you over to this, is there an industry that you would love to eventually become a subject matter expert in, you know, whether it be agriculture, general industry, construction, mining? I mean, you're with you just getting boots on the ground with this type of um, work activity. Is there something you'd like to try, or do you want to try a little bit of them all, or do you see a need uh, for very specific types of safety in Oklahoma where you're at?
2: So let me answer that in two parts. Here in Oklahoma, it's really big on oil and gas. We're a big oil and gas in the big oil and gas region of the country. For me personally, I would like to go into heavy manufacturing just because I know there's a lot of room to make an impact in that sector make things safer it's always changing it's not safety is always changing it's not going to be just stagnant like oh one day we wake up and everything's good Everything's right in the world. Everything's changing with technology, changing the way that it is. Manufacturing is always going to be changing. I personally want to become a leader in EHS in the heavy, maybe not heavy manufacturing, but in the manufacturing world.
1: Okay. yeah, And that brings up, you know, some other conversations I've had with others. You know, there was some concerns with EHS personnel that I'm working with here in Tennessee and in North Carolina, uh, some of the changes they're seeing in manufacturing, whether it be, you know, heavy industrial or automotive and stuff, uh, there's a lot of robotics. There's a lot of things that workers are not used to, um, you know, and it's become more and more prevalent. Do you see uh, hypothetically, you know, with what you see, you know, in the areas that you're in, do you think a lot of employees will be replaced by robotics? Do you think that um, there's going to be a bigger need because, of the, like the new laser systems and CAD systems, and you know, so much of the equipment that's producing. Not that I, I don't think that they can do that uh, 3D printing of a lot of things, but do you think that that will be something that in the future will even be more hazardous because of all the electronics and? all the equipment that's going into place or do you think that that may kind of level out with engineering controls and you know eliminating a lot of the hazards we see today
2: i feel like as a nation we are heading towards more robotic type of engineering manufacturing but i honestly think at some point we're going to become at a standstill and humans are going to have to be reintroduced because there's only so many things you can engineer a robot to do when it comes to turning wrenches. They can only turn so many times before it has to do, you have to do maintenance on it. Things end up breaking and humans just aren't replaced. Like, Humans aren't replaceable when it comes down to it.
1: no, I agree. i you know and and working when I was working in the automotive industry, uh you know if a let's say a piece of equipment you know had a fault or a short or something like that, uh they did not foresee it to be, you know, self-maintaining uh, where it could have, you know, somebody order the part, bring it in. They, it was interesting if certain pieces of equipment went down, it went to the manufacturer and they automatically sent, you know, a replacement part based off of the information that was coming out of the computers, but it couldn't self-install, you know, it couldn't calibrate things like that. So, yeah, there's always going to be the human equation, but you know, with the, with the, you know, development of computers and systems and stuff. I'm having a hard time and so are others seeing people going into the trades that are going to be educated to, you know, do the electronics and stuff. And hopefully, you know, that that's not true. We actually will see, I hope, uh, more persons going into mechanical maintenance and things. And again, they they need safety, you know, because lockout, tagout, there's a reason uh, people keep getting hurt because they're not trained to it.
2: Yes. And you bring up a good point, training. Like, every incident that happens, occurs, falls back on lack of training. I'm not saying all accidents are preventable because... No, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, They're not
1: all preventable.
2: When it comes down to it, it, you have to factor in human error to every, every every job hazard analysis. At every incident that happens, there's some type of human error even though it may be a machine failing did the preventive maintenance get done on the machine in order for the worker to not get hurt
1: right right yeah i've seen some accidents that i've helped to investigate with clients you know it's like they got inspection sheets they did this they did this but then you'd see wait a minute these look like photocopies what do you do just because you'd see a different ink color on signatures and checks and you know some of it was like hey man he already checked it this day or yeah i I didn't get to do the pmi we just really had to push so yeah they'll they'll take shortcuts or they'll bypass things um and it's human nature you know not not trying to blame any worker because other things fell you know supervision didn't make sure it was getting done managers didn't give supervision the time to do these things so i agree with you on that Good perspective. Again, you you know, as you're doing certain leaders, uh, hopefully that's something you could train people to as well, you know, is be accountable for yourself.
2: Yes. That's one thing I have been finding myself is not wanting to be held accountable, but wanting to be held ac- accountable on the actions that I do. Yes, sir. I know as a upcoming EHS professional, I have to be held accountable when it comes to injuries, training, all that good stuff. But at some time it's just human nat- nature to kind of want to do your own thing compared right, to right. being held accountable for doing these tasks throughout your work week.
1: Yeah, a lot of people do seek that type of independence, you know, we I I agree with you on that. You know, and that that sometimes that mindset is difficult, you know, to train out of a person and say, hey, this is a group effort. Let's do this and uh, be a brother's keeper. You know, even if they do work independently a lot, it's just that fact that, you know, if with good planning and preparation. And like you said, training, a lot of that stuff could just get, you know, remediated by itself because it's like, I got to stop. I didn't do this. Logan trained me better. Uh, Let me get my mindset back into this environment. Yes. Well, let me ask you this. So as you were getting into the positions that you're in now and you're applying, especially because I don't know, you know, the Oklahoma industry right now. What were some of the walls or obstacles, you know, as you were coming out of training for EHS? Did you face getting employment in EHS? Because, you know, there's going to be others following in our footsteps. So what kind of things did you face or hurdles, times, anything that you went through that others should consider as well?
2: So one of my biggest things that one of my biggest hurdles once it came to finding a job in the field was everybody was looking for five to ten years of experience when it's um, an entry-level job. And honestly, just during my interviews, I had to be completely honest as possible with what I do know, what I didn't know, just honesty really seemed to stick with people.
1: Absolutely.
2: In knowing what you do know for the safety field and what you don't know. And also just having that willingness to be like, I want to learn. I don't know it yet. I want to learn it.
1: Did you, so when you were going in and applying, did they ever come up and say, you know, flat out, well, we're looking for somebody with more experience in this or uh difference, you know, in education or certifications or documentation Were were any of those ever brought up in your processes?
2: Yes. So many times, um, it was, they wouldn't even consider me cause I didn't have the amount of experience they were looking for. And then when it came down to it, I was just like, I need, I want somebody to give me a chance.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, you know, I had seen and spoke with a couple of others through that same group that you and I are both a part of on Facebook, the U.S. Safety Professionals. And about two years ago, there was somebody, I can't remember his last name, his first name was, I think it's Cedric or uh, Diedrich. And what was unusual about his circumstance, they were saying, well, we're looking for somebody, you know, with three to five years, they had this and they had that. But in the job description, it wasn't that he was going to go out and identify hazards and it wasn't that he was going to be uh, handling, you know, all these different individuals. Basically, he was going to be in the office filling out forms, trending patterns, things he knew how to do uh, really well. And then he took safety on top of it because of his interest in going into data centers and um, these other centers that are for Bitcoin operations and things like that. Um so yeah, it was kind of a unique experience of them saying, Well, we want somebody with this as construction and all that. And he goes, Why? And he actually challenged him and said, What benefit is that gonna give you when what you're wanting is somebody in the office? You want the supervisors, you know, out there on the floor, making sure PPE, uh, making sure the electrical hazards are isolated or dealt with, but you want me in the office directing and documenting. Yeah. So there's some unique challenges. Well With those challenges and things that you had to face, um, you know, and for the period of time you faced it, did you ever just think to hell with this and, you know, keep pushing forward or consider changing to some different type of trade or profession?
2: There were so many days that I was just, I honestly just wanted to say to hell with this. This isn't for me because it's so difficult to get into. But when it came down to it, it was one of those things that the U.S. Safety Professionals Group, Chance Roberts, just...
1: Oh, yeah, another Oklahoman, yeah.
2: Yes. Just saying, yes, you need to be in this field. You have a passion for people. You need to stay in this field. So he was a big part in why my fight did not give up when it came to trying to get into the EHS field.
1: Now, have you had the opportunity to meet with chance there in Oklahoma, or is it predominantly like through the social media or, you know, what, what would you say, you know, with other safeties, are there a lot of safeties in that area that you've got to meet up with, or, you know, it's just chance just uh, happen to be part of the group and just help keep pushing you forward.
2: So, It's been real funny with COVID and everything, just trying to get through that pandemic. Me and Chance have had really communication all via Facebook through the U.S. Safety Professionals group, but I did have the opportunity to meet him in, I think, August of last year in person and that was really good just trying just putting a name to a face like we we knew of each other we both it was really good to connect so I want to anybody that's out there wanting to get into the safety professional world connect with somebody that's already in the EHS world whether it's whether they're in your same state or not
1: oh absolutely yeah
2: gain that experience get somebody that you can pick their brain ask questions get a mentor that's my biggest thing is always help the next person in life
1: yeah and that's one of the things you know speaking in reference to chance i liked about his book was he was talking about you know he would generalize hey here's this route here's that route Um, here's some of the education, here's things that you can do to get into the field and, you know, options to look at. So I like that type of support that we get from quite a few out there, uh, that's in the industry that'll back us up, you know, and that paying it forward, that really does well, because it's nice to have that, you know, backup to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm having a rough day. I I can't move forward. Can you give me some hints? And, And I like that about it. You know, when you look at, um, you know, that kind of support and things like that, now that you're involved with safety, are there things that you wish you would have known before you got the boots on the ground that, you know, maybe the educational system didn't prepare you for? Uh, Maybe you had not seen other professionals saying, hey, you know, here's, here's this type of Uh, response you can get from management or the insurance company are there some other things that you could give the listeners or maybe somebody that's going to be following in your bootsteps one day um, that you should say hey pay attention to this or learn more in this like communication skills or anything
2: communication skills you brought up a very good point as a as somebody that's wanting to go into the EHS field, they need to have top-notch communication skills. Because, as like, EHS is a very people-driven degree. We may know, we do know safety. We were educated in safety. But in order to express safety to upper management and to people on the floor, you have to be able to... Keep communicate professionally and honestly just not dumb safety down but on a level that the shop floor employees will understand so you have to be able to communicate to upper management and to employees below you
1: Right. Yeah. I like how you put that, you know, because there is a varying degree when we do communicate with, you know, the upper management, the uh, C-suite, the guys on the floor, uh, support staff, housekeeping, you know, whatever they are. And, and I'm glad you put emphasis on that because a lot a lot of the past people that I worked with, you'd, they'd say, well, I don't talk to them. I talk to their supervisors. I let them. And, and that was one of the things I hated was dumb it down. You know, and just assume these guys couldn't comprehend the information that you would provide them.
0: It's
2: one of those things in my role that I've been in for three months now. It's one of those things that I have. I know I have computer work that I need to do, but I've prioritized being on the shop floor, getting to build relationships with people on the floor, because at the end of the day. We as safety professionals have policies, programs, upper management to deal with. But at the same time, you want your employees to feel comfortable stopping you whenever you're going to a meeting and pointing out a specific hazard because we don't see hazards 24-7. We're not on the shop floor. We're not the worker. We're support staff. So at the end of the day, we need to gear our minds in order to help the people on the floor.
1: I like that. You get that gearing of the mind and setting that mental mentality and preparing for it. I like that. You know, and one of the things I do with the safety committees that I've been working with here in the past two years is before I go to a meeting with them, you know, because they're going to give their observations. They're going to give uh, things that they found that may have been unsafe acts, unsafe behaviors, unsafe conditions, but they generally start with behaviors. But before I talk with them, I always go to the housekeepers because they they go all over the place, you know, uh, plants, everything. I said, what did you see? And it's amazing how much more they see because you know, as they're going around the facilities, they're they're not working in just one section. So that's all they see. But they're cleaning, they're moving garbage cans, things like that. Well, Alan, here's what we did. Um, same thing with their security guys. I'll say, when you're walking around checking doors, checking cameras, things like that, what do you see? And by combining it and presenting it, I'll say to security and to the maintenance people, here's what the safety committee's on. And they were like, we didn't see that because they're looking for different things.
0: Yes.
1: So I, I like getting people from you know different areas of the facility because their observations and what they find a lot of times the others just completely miss because they're not on that peripheral side. And wow. I like I like your approach. I like your idea of you know getting my involved.
2: One thing that I have noticed being in the field, being on the shop floor of Where I work, I get so much questions about everything safety-related and more when it comes to HR, production. So you have to really just down to the people aspect again. I know I'm really hounding in on that, but...
1: No, it's a huge part of the job.
2: People are what pay your salary or your hourly rate. So you have to learn who you need to communicate their questions to, to get them in a better mindset for their job.
1: That, that I couldn't say that any better myself. Yeah. That mindset and getting them set. Yeah. That's, that's perfect because a lot of it is mental. You know, they, they're, if you talk to them and you say, Hey, I'll get this information. Uh, you get them the steps, you take that time to talk to them as an individual you know, they are going to be uh, more receptive to the information on safety and good work practices and things like that.
2: And if you talk. You ought to
1: them, preach on the side. You ought, you ought to be a preacher on the side. Just, yeah, you know, if just add that.
2: If you do end up talking to people and they need answers, make sure to follow through, follow up with them. Did you get those correct answers or do I need to follow up with this this specific manager again
1: good deal well when you're out on the floor and you're doing the things that you do and you work you know uh, so well to maintain relationships and to build these one-on-one relationships so they have that comfort are there any days in which you know your faith and your your ideas and things were your question you're wishing like i wish i went in another direction or do you accept the challenges and grow and build from them
2: I have in the beginning, there were a lot of doubts like, oh, maybe I didn't pick the right career, even though I am a people oriented person. I didn't realize how much um, just pouring out that I was going to have to do. And there were several days that I just went another that almost I was like, screw this, I'm going in another direction. But when it came down to it, I could become a customer service representative, and no offense to them that this is just my one thought away from environmental health and safety. That is still people oriented. Right. But it would not be as rewarding as the environmental health and safety field, seeing the impact that you made on other people.
1: I absolutely agree. And I like that you find it rewarding. But, you know, when, when you think about it, you know, there's sometimes. I see professionals or practitioners and others in our trade get so frustrated, they get mad and I said, Step away, you know, get out of this environment for a while, take a break, uh, you know, gather yourself up, take some other training. Because they get to the point where they just quit trying. And they go out, you know, maybe on a construction thing, you know, where it's it's just short term. They step away because it's like I can't go back to that business because five, ten years, all my work and stuff just you know, went down the drain and they just get so despondent and so frustrated. Um, you know, like two years ago, we were looking at suicide rates uh, among the professions. And when they were talking about safety and HR being up there, you know, it's just that frustration that they face and they didn't step out of it. Yes. So speaking of stepping out, what do you do on days where you're extremely stressed or where you feel like you know you're you're putting in all the right things you're getting out the right information you're communicating in a great manner what does logan do for logan to get back into a good mindset
2: so what i have to do 99% of the time is call my wife get somebody that i trust that i can just vent to tell them how it is and maybe it's one of those that i take a longer lunch if it's before lunch or leave right when I'm supposed to leave not a minute after that day if I'm just if I'm just really frustrated I have to have that mentality of I want to give my best to everybody I need to go to my safe space get recharged and that may look like me listening to a leadership podcast okay um reading the Bible, me praying, giving a few minutes back to God. I'm not trying to make this spiritual or anything. But I'm
1: asking what Logan does, so tell me what Logan does. Don't worry about spiritual or esoteric. You tell us what Logan does, because some people need Jesus.
2: So what I absolutely do when I'm just down on myself, I turn on worship music on the way home or on the way to work. I blare worship music. I kind of honestly forget everything else that's happening and just focus back on God and my relationship with him, who who I know is my comforter and my provider at the end of the day.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that, brother. I mean, I I like that you go to your wife first. I do that too. But when I call my wife, it's to get her and her sister to come out to that job site and start throwing hands because I'm on the clock. I can't do it. And she's going to start with me, I assure you, Uh, because I, I met her when I was her safety. But, you know, same thing. I'll listen to brown noise, white noise, things with no speech, no anything. But I like how you have your relationship and your belief and your faith to, you know, pull that back into. So before we get going, you know, and end the show, because, I you know, we, we've got that timeline, what words of advice that you've not already presented would you give to others who may want to foolishly go into our profession instead of becoming professional television producers or throwing hamburgers for the Food Network or, you know, things like that? what words of advice would you like to give? And if feel free to give a shout out to anybody you feel supported and helped you along the way.
2: So I would have to, somebody that's up and coming in the safe that may want to be an environmental health and safety professional. You really just have to be a people person. You know, you have to know how to communicate. If you don't know how to communicate Ultimately, it's going to be a difficult profession for you, especially when it comes to hearing everybody's position on a certain thing on the shop floor compared to upper management in trying to make their voices heard to upper management, but not being disrespectful if it's a initiative from upper management, but you still want their voices to be heard.
1: That is well said, brother. I'm yeah, I'm almost speechless. I mean, that was well said. So for those that are listening to you that are feeling empowered and motivated by you, uh, how can people find and connect with you to continue conversations, maybe to reach out to you for mentorship or uh, some type of leadership support? If, if Is there any platform that you would like for them or invite them to connect with you on?
2: So I have a LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way to connect with me is through LinkedIn LinkedIn. I also have a website slash blog. It's safetylogan.weebly.com. And also my email is on that website. So that email is a easy way to connect with me. Also, I just want to give a quick shout out to my former boss from back in the day, Tom Graham. He's been nothing but supportful with, with me through this whole journey of being an environmental health and safety professional
1: Chance. Good for you, Tom. Thank you for that.
2: Chance Roberts, you... Never,
1: never... heard of Chance. Never heard of him. <laughs> keep going. Keep going.
2: <laughs> My wife, honestly, it's one of those things that I could keep naming names because even if they've supported me, one sentence that's impacted me in this career, there's a list of many names that I could go over, but those are the... three three or four top ones that I can honestly just think off the top of my head.
1: Well, yes, sir. And, and thank you for sharing that, Logan. Thank you for sharing your you know, incredibly valuable time and personal time to get this done. Um, hopefully for all those that were listening, you get the message that, you know, it's important. Like I say at the end of every show, plan, prepare, communicate and engage. And follow Logan's advice. You know, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling, that things are getting out of control and out of your way. Take time, find your center, find your faith and believe in yourself. Logan, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of the diary of a bald man. I hope uh, you'll accept another invitation here in the new future.
2: Yes, definitely will.
1: All right, brother. Well, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow Logan, you know, get on to LinkedIn. Uh, read his actually Weebly play, page. It'll give you some great information. Thank you all for being here. Now, get the hell out and enjoy the rest of your day. Logan, thank you. God bless you. And I uh, hope you had a good time.
2: Yes, definitely enjoyed it. Thank you again for inviting me.
1: And we'll be inviting you again, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care. You too.
0: You've been listening to The Diary of a Bald Man. How do you feel? A little dizzy? Maybe a little nauseous? That was one hell of a ride, I know. It's our passion to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, Google Alan the Safety Guy. You'll find all the socials there. Connect with us or else. See you next time on Diary of a Bald Man.